0: A few weeks ago we started a series, it's been several weeks now, we started a series called Taste and See, based on Psalm 34 verse 8, which is a beautiful verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. It's interesting that in all of life, people who like something want you to like it too. We talked about that in the first week, that uh, people who like, for example, a, a steak or some homemade bread or they like a slice of cake, uh, they're convinced you'll like it too if you just taste it. I'm forever trying to get my wife to taste this, taste this. That We go out to eat, oh, this is good. You need to taste this. I, I, I'll do that all the time. Uh, we're just convinced that if I like it, you'll like it too if you'll just taste it. And what's true for food is also true for God. It's interesting that those who know God want others to know Him too. And they're convinced, absolutely convinced, that you will like God if you simply give Him a try. And so David dares the skeptics to experience the Lord for themselves. That's what he means. Taste and see. Experience God for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's daring the skeptics to Experience the Lord in a real and tangible way. He's daring unbelievers to give God a chance and see for themselves that God is good and God is real. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. David is just confident. You'll like God if you try God. And that was the, message in the, fir- the first message in the series. Now, in today's message, we're going to look at what happens once you have taken that step of faith. And turn to God. So so remember, the first message is, taste and see for yourself. This message is about, what happens once you have taken that step of faith and turn to God? Or to say it this way, once you have tasted that God is good, how do you grow in your relationship with Him? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Once you have taken that step of faith, like Eli did today, Or or acknowledge today. Once you have taken that step of faith, how do you grow in that relationship with Him? That's a great question. And here's the answer in one sentence. The Word of God that led you to know Christ is the same Word that will help you to grow in Christ. If I could summarize the message today in one sentence, that's what it would be. look, Look up here for a moment. The Word of God that helped you to know Christ It's the same Word of God that will help you grow in Christ. I want to show you this in Scripture. Go with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 is our text today. I want you to, we're going to start, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And I just want you to notice in 1 Peter chapter 2, The very first verse of chapter 2 begins with the word, therefore. So what he is about to say is based on what he said at the end of chapter 1. Well, what did he say at the end of chapter 1? Well, these verses are highlighted in my Bible. You might want to highlight them in your Bible as well. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 23, at the end of chapter 1. Here's what he says, verse 23. For you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring what, church? Word of God. For all men are like grass. That's all of us. All men are like grass. We're temporary. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. The flowers fall. We're all temporary people. But the word of the Lord stands how long? Forever. Thank you. And then he says at the end of the chapter... And this is the word that was preached to you. So before we get to verse, chapter 2, verse 1, you need to understand the context that Paul is talking about at the end of chapter 1. He's talking about how you came to faith in Christ. That you came to faith in Christ through the word of God. And the way that you grow in your relationship to Christ is what he's going to tell us in chapter 2. Came to faith in Christ through the word of God. And the way that you grow in your relationship with Christ is going to be through that same word word of God. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Peter is going to make the case for all of us that the word of God that led you to salvation is the same word that God will use to help you grow in that salvation. So if you've got any desire at all today to grow in your relationship with God. If you have any desire at all today to experience spiritual growth in some form or fashion, please listen carefully and look carefully at what Peter has written for us. And it's interesting how he begins this. He begins in verse 1 by challenging us to remove those things from our lives, to remove sin from our lives that hinder our growth. It's interesting, he just jumps right into it. Listen, if you want to grow spiritually, yeah, you've been born again by the Word of God, but you need to remove the sin in your life so that the Word of God can can enhance and grow your life. So here's how he describes it. Chapter 2, verse 1, look at the text with me. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. It's quite possible that one of the reasons you may not be growing in your walk with God is because there may be something in your heart or your life that's hindering the growth of God's Word in you. Peter mentions five specific sins that seep into your heart or life. I'm not saying you necessarily have all five of these, but you might have one or two of them right now in your heart or life. He mentions five things, and it really is quite a list. And before we even look at the list, I want you to notice as we read in a moment that in this list, these are all relational sins. Uh, You might even call them horizontal sins, and we'll talk about that phrase in, in a few moments. In other words, these are all sins that relate to how we relate to other people especially those that are not very loving. Uh, There's some people in your life that you probably have a hard time loving. There's some people in your life that probably rub you the wrong way. There's some people in your life that are difficult people to live with or to live near or to work with. How do you respond to those kind of people? If we're not careful, listen to me, if we're not careful, we'll let the world get in us instead of the Word of God get in us. But let the world take over rather than the word of God take over. And so Peter is writing to Christians, and he says, here's some things you need to make sure you get rid of in your life. And the very first word is, is the word malice. You know what malice means? It literally means mean-spirited. Spirit, mean Have you ever met anybody that's a mean-spirited? Don't give me their name, but... <laughs> Have you ever met anybody who's just kind of a mean-spirited person? They say they're a Christian, but they're a mean-spirited person. You You know what malice is? It is the intentional desire to hurt somebody with your words or deeds. The intentional desire to hurt somebody with your words or deeds. It's the idea of having it in for somebody, that there's this smoldering resentment within you, and you just have it in for that person. You're going to get them one way or the other. Peter says, if that's in your life, you need to make sure it's out of your life. Get rid of, he says, all malice. And then he says, and get rid of all deceit. That word is a deliberate attempt to mislead others for your own advantage. Deceit has the idea that you're fooling others for your own advantage. You are lying to others for your own advantage. And then the third word that he uses is the word hypocrisy. Pretending to be someone you're not. It's literally playing a part rather than living a life. And it's this desire, watch this, listen to this. It's this desire to not really be known for who you really are. You don't want to be known for who you really are. So you're hypocritically living a life, trying to portray yourself as someone different. Then he uses the fourth word is envy. That's an interesting word. Write this down if you're taking notes. Envy not only wants what somebody else has, but you hate that person for having it. You not only want what somebody else has, but hating that person for having what you want. That's envy. And then the last, or the fifth word that he mentions is the word slander. Slander is the idea of speaking badly about somebody, especially behind their back. Slander is the idea of gossip, and spreading rumors. And too often, here's the way Baptists do it. You know how we do it? We, do, we need to pray for so-and-so. You know what I heard? It makes it more spiritual, right? You you, you, don't, you don't say a prayer one, but you just kind of bring it, you know, introduce it that way. We need to pray for brethren so-and-so. Let me tell you what I heard. Peter says, if that's in your life, if that's in your heart, that kind of gossip and slander is in your spirit. Peter says you need to rid yourself of that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to pause for a moment. I want you to look at this list. Can we look at this list and at least admit, man, that is quite a list, isn't it? Rid yourself of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Now, don't miss this. These are all things that born-again people are capable of. These are all things that Christians, like you and me, are capable of, or is capable of doing. Remember, Peter says in, in verse 3, that, that he, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, it's very clear that he's writing to Christians. And Peter says, you need to rid yourselves of these things, because every believer is capable of having these kind of things in your heart and in your life, and they have no place in your life, especially if you desire to grow in your relationship with God. I don't know if you've, if you've ever done this, but if you've been outside working sometimes, you get so dirty, you know, your, your clothes get so dirty, or maybe you're painting, uh, like, like when I paint, by the way, you don't want me to paint a doghouse, all right? I mean, I'm just awful, I'm absolutely awful at painting. I get it all over me and all over everything else. I just, and there have been times, I'm not saying it happens a lot, but there have been times when I've come in after painting uh, or, or maybe working in, in the art or something, but especially painting, where I not only just take the clothes off, I throw them away. It's like, what? I, I just need to get rid of them. I've ruined them, you know? That's the word picture that Peter uses here. He says, rid yourselves. It's a once and for all kind of decision. He said, let me tell you what you're capable of. You're capable of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. You're capable of that, even as a child of God. But it should not belong in your life. You should not accept it in your heart. You should not say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I was raised. That's just the way I'm dealing with things. No, Peter says you need to rid yourself of all of these things. My daughter Lauren got covid Some time back, a long time back. And as a result, she's lost her sense of taste. And a lot of it still has not come back completely. I'm going to tell you something. Others of you probably have experienced that as well. But I'm going to tell you something. Sin is the COVID of your soul. It will cause you to lose your taste for the Word of God. It will cause you to lose your appetite for the things of God and for the Word of God. D.L. Moody said it this way. He said, God's Word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from God's Word. And that's why Peter says, listen, you were born of the Word of God, chapter 1. You were born of the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, chapter 1. That's how you were born again, chapter 2. But that same Word of God is what He will use to help you grow in, his, in your relationship with Him. And here's where you start. There are some horizontal sins we might call. These five things he lists, these are horizontal sins. And watch this, if the horizontal relationships are not right, then my vertical relationship with God is not going to be right either. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I try to read my Bible, but I just don't think I'm doing it right. I'm not getting much out of it. The problem may not be how you are reading your Bible. The problem may be what's in your heart. You see, you can't justify You cannot excuse any of these five sins in your life. You cannot excuse any of these things in your walk with God. So Peter says, get rid of these things. Be done with them once and for all. Because of my kind of restricted diet that I've been on for the last two or three months, I've started chewing gum a lot more than I can not eat sometimes, so I chew gum. Now, in my younger days, <clears throat> I would swallow the gum when I got done with it. I've grown up since then. So now I don't swallow the gum anymore. Now, of course, I throw it away. And, and I, most of the time when I'm chewing gum, not all the time, but most of the time it's when I'm driving. And so uh, that helps me so, so that I don't stop and get a Pepsi and a candy bar. I chew gum so I don't stop and get a Pepsi and a candy bar. So anyway... So I'm chewing gum, chewing gum, I'm driving, and there comes a point where, you know, gum just doesn't last forever, right? Eventually, it's like, I don't want this anymore. I'm I'm done with this. And so I always take it out, I roll down the side window, I look for the right spot, and I toss it into the weeds. Now listen, I'm 62 years old, and I have never in 62 years gone out looking for that gum once I've thrown it away. I've never stopped and said, I I need to go back and pick that up. No. I throw it away because I am done with it. I don't want it anymore. I'm done with it. And I'm not going to go looking for it anymore. That's the word picture here. Peter said, are any of these five things in your life, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you need to be done with them. If you go looking for it again, you're going to be in trouble. So rid yourself of malice. Be done with envy and slander and gossip and all those things that he lists. You've got to be done with it if you want God to work in your, in your life. You see, we need to get it into our heads that obeying God is better than obeying the flesh. The flesh will tell you that you're justified to have malice and want to get back at somebody. The flesh will tell you that you're justified to lie and have deceit in your life, that that's just the best way to get by. The flesh will tell you that hypocrisy is okay and that envy and slander is just the way you do business. The flesh will tell you a lot of things, but we need to get it into our heads that obeying God is better than obeying the flesh. Paul David Tripp, an author, says it this way. He says, tell yourself every morning as you get up to start your day, God's way is better. I just want to write that down. Maybe even write it in the column of your Bible right here. God's way is better. So, If you want to grow spiritually, deliberately remove sin from your life. And then the second thing that Peter says is this. Eagerly desire God's Word so that you can grow spiritually eagerly desire God's word so that you can grow spiritually. <clears throat> Perhaps you've always heard that you should read your Bible, but has anybody ever told you what you will gain by doing so? Anybody ever told you the benefits of Bible study? I mean, if I invest my time in reading God's word, what's the payoff? What difference will it make in my life? Peter says, here's the payoff. Look up on the screen. Here's the payoff. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. That's the payoff. I'm afraid a lot of Christians grow old in their salvation, but they're not growing up in their salvation. Lifeway Research did a study that just amazes me. They surveyed 2,900 Protestant churchgoers. 2,900 Protestant church growers. and they asked them, do you agree with this statement? And the statement was this, I desire to please God and honor Jesus in all that I do. I, if I were to ask you, for example, how many of you would, don't, don't raise your hand, but if I were to say, how many of you agree with this statement, I desire to please God in all that I do, And do you agree with that statement? I'd just about guarantee you 100% of the hands would go up. And so they asked 2,900 Protestant church growers. Uh, do you agree with this? I desire to please and honor Jesus in all that I do. 90% said yes. I wonder about the other 10%. 90% said yes. Then they asked him a second question. The second question was this. <coughs> do you read your Bible every day? Now, out of the 90% who said yes, I desire to please God in every, everything I do, out of that 90%, 19% said I read my Bible every day. So here's the question. Why don't Christians read their Bibles more? I think one of the reasons is that they just don't see this to be very practical. They know it's a a powerful book, but they're not sure it really has anything to say about what they face at work. They're not sure it has anything to say about the things they're struggling with in their marriage. They're not sure it has anything to say about what they're dealing with at school. Just not sure that it's practical. I was reading uh, Waylon Moore who told a personal experience. He said when he was a young boy in elementary school, uh, said he was in Sunday school one day and he had a Sunday school teacher. It was just a fabulous teacher, storyteller, great storyteller. And she told the story of David and Goliath. As a young guy, he was captivated by the story of David and Goliath. He just loved the idea that there was this big giant and there's this little boy and he took that rock and he hit Goliath with it and, and knocked him down and killed him. And, and he said, I was just fascinated by that. He said, I wanted to be like David. He said, the next week I went back to school and there was a bully on the playground. I decided I was going to be like David and I picked up a rock and I threw it at him. And I hit him right in the head. He said, I found myself in the principal's office real quick. And I tried to explain to her the story of David and Goliath. And she said, young man, you are not David in this school. And she picked up the paddle and started paddling. You can tell this has been a long time ago because he got paddled in school. And then she said these words. You're not David in this school. And as he thought about that, he thought. And I realized that the Bible is for Sunday school, not for grade school. That was his perspective as he was growing up, that the Bible is for Sunday school, it's not for grade school. Some of you have this, like, well, the Bible's for Sunday, but it's not for how I do my business during the week. That's the conclusion of a lot of people, and the truth of the matter is, listen to me, it is impossible for you to grow in your relationship with God if you're not growing in God's Word. Look at how Peter describes it in verse 2. We're going to put it on the screen again. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. That that phrase, pure spiritual milk, is just a, 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 a simile, it's just a word picture for the Word of God. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, by the Word of God, so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. This idea, he said, let me give you a word picture. He said, have you ever seen a newborn baby? Do you And if you've had newborn babies in your house, or grandbabies in your house recently, it's no surprise to you that every two to three hours, they don't suggest, they demand that they be fed. Right? They have this craving. And they are going to make sure that craving is known, and they're going going to cry until that craving is satisfied. Peter says, listen, like newborn babies, you and I need to have a craving for God's Word in much the same way. We must go after God's Word fervently and frequently. Now... (coughs) Let me give you, I I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a story. Let let me give you an idea of what this craving is like, okay? A couple of months ago when I had surgery for about a month, I couldn't drink Pepsi. Your pastor walked through the fire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm joking, but really, I I couldn't drink Pepsi for a good while, and, and uh I was told, somebody, I don't remember who told me, but I hung on to this. I was told, once you get your gallbladder out, you can eat and drink whatever you want. Now, whether it's good advice or not, that's what somebody told me. a Nurse, doctor, somebody. So after my surgery, after my surgery, when I woke up, as soon as I woke up, the nurse was later told me this, laughing. She said, your first words were, can I have a Pepsi. Uh, your first conscious thought, <laughs> my first conscious thought was, I can have a Pepsi now. I didn't get one, but that was my first conscious thought. That's craving. Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual, crave the Word of God, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, now here's the, let's make it practical, let's make it personal. What if I don't have that craving? I just pretend like I do. A couple of things I'd like to say about that. First of all, next Sunday, that's what we're really going to dig into. So hope you'll be back next Sunday. We're going to talk about practical ways to kind of enhance your Bible study, but, but what if I don't crave? How do I how do I get that? How do I get to the point where I want the Bible more than I want it now? I'm going to tell you two things that I think are very personal very practical first of all you need to settle this issue first of all you need the bible here's what i mean by that milk he uses the story the, the illustration of a newborn baby you know and i know milk for a baby is not a fringe benefit milk for a baby is essential to their lives it's not a fringe benefit it's not optional it's absolutely essential ladies and gentlemen, Peter uses that illustration to help you and I understand. We need the Bible. It is essential to your growth. You cannot grow on your own. For example, do you want to have a stronger faith? Then you need to be nourished in the Scripture because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Do you want to live a more holy life? Then you need your Bible because Psalm 119, 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living According to your word. Do you want to be wise in spiritual matters? Then you need your Bible. Because the Bible, Paul said the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say it to you this way. The Bible is God's primary tool to, to develop you as a believer. It's essential to your spiritual maturity. And it is essential to your spiritual effectiveness. You need your Bible. So you need to look at it not as something that's optional, not as something that I'll get to eventually. You need to look at your Bible not as something that I bring to church on Sunday. You need to recognize it is impossible to grow in your relationship with God without growing in your relationship with God's Word. You need your Bible. Number two. You can grow spiritually. This is, I love this part. Hang, hang on, I'm almost done. I love this part. You can grow spiritually. You see, some people convince themselves that they will never change. They convince themselves, I'm always just going to be this way. Remember now, the question we're trying to address is, what if I don't have this craving for the Word of God? What if I don't have that strong desire for the Word? What do I do? First of all, you settle it in your mind. You need the Bible. But number two, Settle it in your mind. You can grow spiritually. Don't settle for this spiritual fatalism. It's what one author calls it. Don't settle for this spiritual fatalism that says, I'm just always going to be this way. You know, because of my family upbringing, because I don't have a great background in the Bible, because of some sin in my life, because I have a reading problem, because of a family situation, because of my past, I'm just stuck where I am. And this is just... Who I am. This is just the way I'm going to be. I'm not going to really grow much past what I am right now. I want you to hear me and hear me well. Spiritual growth is possible in your life. You may be in a rut right now, but you don't have to stay in the rut. Spiritual growth, I I don't care what's in your past, spiritual growth is possible. I don't know about your family background, spiritual growth is possible for you. You may not have a broad knowledge of the Bible, but spiritual growth is possible for you. So I want to give you two things that will help you get started in this area of growing in your Bible. (coughs) Excuse me. Write these down. (coughs) Two steps that will help you to begin to develop that craving for the Word of God. First one is this. Number one, each morning when you get up, you need to deal with those verse one issues. Each morning when you get up, you need to, de- to deal with those verse one issues. What do you mean by that? Well, look at verse one. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. That's not just something you do one time. And for some of you, because it's taken such root in your heart, it's taken such root in your life, it's going to take a while to get that out of your life. And you're just going to have to keep weeding that garden. Anybody else hate weeds, by the way? And now that it's rained again, guess what you're going to have? Weeds. And you just got to stay after it, don't you? You just got to keep pulling those weeds and pulling those weeds and pulling those weeds. You've got to do that with these sins that have taken root in your life. You just got to keep pulling the weeds. So every morning, you keep dealing with the weeds in your life. Every morning, you keep dealing with these sins, those verse one issues. Every morning, ask yourself Do I have any malice in my heart towards anybody? Do I have uh, any hypocrisy in my life? Am I deceiving anybody? Am I envious of anybody? Is there any slander on my tongue? Have I been talking about anybody? And you've got to just take the time every day to prayerfully and carefully work through those verse 1 issues. See, watch this. When you begin to get healthy inwardly, you'll begin to develop a hunger you haven't had in a long time. When someone says, I'm not getting much out of the Bible, that says more about you than it does the Bible. Those relational sins will choke off the Word of God in your life. And that's why some people can come to church year after year after year and never get better never grow. Year after year, they they just stay there because they're harboring that relational garbage in their heart. They're harboring that relational garbage in their mind. They're not willing to forget. They're not willing to forgive. They're not willing to let go of it. They're not willing to discard it because somebody hurt them or somebody left them or somebody betrayed them or somebody talked about them. Listen. Listen to me. You can't say, I hate you, and say at the same time, I love God. You can't. Scripture says in 1 John 4.20, anyone who says, I love God, but keeps on hating his brother is a liar. That's the Scripture. You see, when our horizontal relationships are messed up, and our vertical relationship is not going to be what it needs to be either. Each morning when you get up, if you need to start developing more of a craving for God's Word, if you're just not there yet, it's like, I just don't feel it. I just don't get anything out of it. I'm trying to read my Bible, but it's, nothing's changing. Each morning when you get up, just start dealing with those verse 1 issues. God, is there anything? And it might not even be something on the list. It might be something else. Just those issues that God begins to point out to you. And say, what about that? What about that? Yeah, but God, but you remember it. No, 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 no. Don't justify. Don't rationalize. Peter says, rid yourself of it. If you're throwing that gum out the window, you don't need it anymore. You don't want it anymore. Get rid of it. So each morning, you've got to deal with those verse 1 issues. Number two, if you're wanting to develop more of a craving for the Word of God, here's the second thing. Each morning, seek to learn and live what God says. Let me explain that to you. Seek to learn and live what God says. Here's what I would suggest you do. Just get some kind of a notebook or, or a piece of paper or something, and every morning, just try to read at least two or three verses. You can read a whole chapter if you want to, but at least try to read two or three verses. As you read those two or three verses, write down the date. Like, what is today's date? It's May what? Is it the 29th? All right. So, on your paper at the top of the notebook page, you're writing May 29th, and you're writing down the Scripture reference of the verses that you're reading. And then, you're going to ask and answer two questions. Write these down if you're taking notes. Two important questions. Question number one is this, in my own words, what is God saying here? That's the first question. You're reading two or three verses and then you're saying, in my own words, what is God saying here? What is God saying in these verses? You're not trying to be super spiritual. You're not trying to sound like a Bible teacher. Just in your own words, what is God saying here? Then the second question is, is very important. The second question is this. What am I going to do differently today because He said it? What am I going to do differently today because God said it? So in my own words, what is God saying here in these two or three verses I've chosen to read? And then second question, what am I going to do differently today because God has said it? How am I going to apply that into my life? You see, here's what you're attempting to do. You're attempting not only to get into the Word of God, but you're allowing the Word of God to get into you. We'll talk about that more next week. We've got to end by going into the third verse, because in the third verse he says something very intriguing. <coughs> now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says, here's the reason, the motivation for doing all these things. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The word tasted is a personal experience. Now that you have personally experienced it. Now that you have seen for yourself. Now that you have tasted for your own self. Now, now look up here for a moment. I'm almost done. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter was quoting, or at least referencing, Psalm 34 verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Peter in the writing to this church is quoting or at least referencing that Old Testament psalm. And and he said, listen, here's what I need you to understand. You have tasted that the Lord is good. Watch this church, you have tasted that the Lord is good, but God has so much more in store for you. My favorite cake of all time, don't make me any because I'm, I'm still on this diet, but my favorite cake of all time is, is chocolate cake with chocolate icing. Man, they just don't make... Can I get an amen on that one? All right, thank you. They just don't make a, a better cake than chocolate cake with chocolate icing. Now watch this. If I had a big old chocolate cake sitting up here right now, and I took my finger, and I just went across the top and tasted that, that icing, I've got a taste of it but there is so much more waiting on me. That's what Peter's saying here. He said, Listen, you've gotten a taste of the goodness of God, you've gotten a taste of God's goodness, but there is so much more waiting on you. I'll say it to you this way Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, he says, No eye has seen. No ear is heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It it doesn't matter how long you've walked with God. We've only gotten a taste of how good God is. Only gotten a taste. So stay after it. Stay after it. Open your Bible tomorrow. Read two or three verses. And in your own words, what is God saying here? And secondly, what are you going to do differently today because God said it? Let's pray about that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That that idea of now that you have tasted that God is good, He's clearly talking to Christians who have experienced God personally. I wonder if you have experienced God personally. I wonder if you have that personal relationship with Him. Has there been that time and that place in your life where you experienced God and put your faith in Him? You trusted Him. And you have a relationship with him. If not, today is a great day for you to come forward as we're seeing and just put your faith in Christ. If you're watching online, it's a great day right where you're watching to put your faith in Christ and to contact us and let us know that you've done that. For some of you, it might be that, boy, the first part of this message was really hard because when we started talking about those five things that we need to rid out of our lives, that was pretty close and pretty personal, wasn't it? That was pretty hard to hear for someone. Because you're struggling right now because of someone, someone in your life and they left you or they betrayed you or they hurt you or they spoke against you or whatever. Man, there's just that issue in your heart. Or maybe it's hypocrisy that you're just putting on the front and putting on an act and you're not living your faith, you're just living a lie. Or it might be any of those other things that he mentioned and it's like, man, that, that's where I'm living and that is the reason. Perhaps that the Word of God is so dry, so stale. Peter would say, just deal with those things. Deal with those things. Get them out of your heart. Get them out of your life. Because a healthy Christian is a hungry Christian. You have a hunger for God's Word when you're seeking to live and obey God Himself. Father, in the name of Jesus and for Your glory, may You speak. And may we respond. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.